I'm Master Life Coach Michelle Kennedy, and thank you for joining. Come, let's sit down and talk. So today we have another segment where I have some guests that I've invited to come and share their story with us here on the show today. And we have Shanice Curry and Darrell Curry. Uh, thank you all for coming. It is such a pleasure to have you here. Uh, let's take a moment to just kind of let the people know who you are. Shanice, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, my name is Shanice Curry. I am a certified life coach. I specialize in trauma, grief, relationship, as well as youth growth. Thank you. And Darrell, Darrell, tell us a little bit about I am yourself. Coach Darrell Curry. I graduated last month uh, from Embrace You. I am a student of Embrace You. I uh, specialize in grief, trauma, and I work close with the youth. Okay, so how long have you all been married? For five years in June. Okay, so did you have like a long courtship or? Mm -hmm. uh -uh. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Really? So how long did y'all court before you decided to get married? Maybe a couple months. A couple of months? Well, we were friends for a couple years first. Okay. Anything. We got close to being wanting to be together. Yeah, I understand that. I think me and my husband, our courtship was pretty short too. Yeah. Um, and then once we got engaged within six months, we was already married. Exactly. So, uh, when you know what you want, it don't take that long. Correct. So when it comes to, um, being a life coach, you both say you specialize in grief. So where does your passion for grief or your drive to assist those who are grieving, uh, where does that come from? I'll let you start there. Well, my drive comes from two different things. Uh, the first thing is me uh, losing a child mm -hmm. uh, a few three years ago. That's one. That's one. That's one of my drives. And another one of my drives is uh, losing a couple friends at a young age. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Shadice, what drives you uh, in that field of coaching? Uh, for me, since we've been married, we've had two miscarriages mm -hmm. and an atopic pregnancy. Okay. And although I didn't feel it, I didn't touch it, it's just it becomes a part of you. So I've had a hard time with that in the past. Okay, so it's been your struggle that you have with grief that drives you uh, to want to help others? Absolutely. Okay, so tell me, tell me about that. So when we um, got married, of course, we just wanted a baby together because he has three other babies, and then I have a son, of course, collectively we have four. So, you know, when you get married, you feel like, you know, and it depends, every relationship is different, but for us, that was something that we still do, that we want as a child of our own. And um, the first time it happened, I didn't even really know that I was pregnant. So it was like, okay, you know, it was okay for me to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. Then the second time, we just knew that was it. Like, we knew we went and looked for baby stuff. We was already picking out names. So we had already made that connection. And then the last one, I actually would be pregnant right now, was um, about eight months ago. Um, it was an atopic pregnancy, and it was a lot of pain naturally as well as spiritually and mentally. And it just, you know, it's really, especially when you don't have that bond with your spouse, mm -hmm. it really created a void for me. Um, not that it caused me to be separated from him, but it began to make me think, like, well, what is wrong with me? Like, mm -hmm. he's got, you know, other kids. I have a kid with somebody else. So what's wrong with us? Like, why can't we come together and actually have a child? So then you start to kind of feel condemned to a certain extent. Like, what am 
am I doing wrong? Or mm-hmm. God, why is it that I'm being punished? So when you're in like that dark space, you just have all these different mind battles and attacks that makes you just feel as though you're not worthy to have a child with your spouse. Okay. I, I do understand that um, me and my husband, all of our children are grown. Um, and I'll joke with him from time to time and be like, we need a baby. And he, he's like, no, we got a dog. <laughs> Burnett. I'm like, yeah, Burnett's your dog. <laughs> she don't like me no ways. But I do get that feeling, uh, even at a place where I don't want kids, I do wonder what it would be like to have a kid with Tim, right. what, what the baby would look like. Right. I know she whatever it would be, it would be beyond spoil. Um, but I do get it. And I think that's natural, um, being married and wanting to share that, you know, with your spouse. So I did hear, uh, you say you, with the pregnancies that you had and then you lost a son. So how, how vital was her support for you when you lost your son, um, in in going through that grief process uh i believe her support would be very important like it's it's much needed going through something like that even still to this day uh i could go back uh, when it happened i could say that my my feelings were she didn't support me how i wanted her to support me mm-hmm. but then you know getting past and through that and understanding that she did not know how to support me um but now it's, you know, it's these moments I'm not afraid to let her know, bae, I'm dealing with, you know, it's, it's bothering me about DJ. You know, that's my kid name, DJ. Mm-hmm. It's bothering me, and I'm not afraid to tell her now, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. she's always asking, you know, how you feeling today? Are you okay? So her support, it means everything to me. And it, it just to know that I have her support in me, is, that's all I need. Yeah, that's good. And that, And one thing you said that was real big she didn't know how to support you. Um, I'm a firm believer that there are some things that you go through, unless you've gone through it, you don't really know how to support someone in that way. Um, so because you both have experienced loss now, that opens up another level of understanding and an avenue for you to be able to communicate and share in your in the grief process because you both know what it's like to have that loss. So with selecting grief as your niche for coaching, what are some of the things that you feel that you have that you can help people who are going through grief? Yeah, for me, I just think that I wouldn't want to deal with a coach that hasn't experienced what I've experienced. Mm -hmm. So just being able to be relatable and being able to speak to the feeling. If if you've been through something, then you may not rush that person through their process. You Mm -hmm. may be able to give them tools that help you strive and get through it, but you're just more relatable. So it makes it easier to connect with that person. Yeah, that is true. Uh, And that's why it's always a suggestion when you're, as a coach, looking for your niche, Mm -hmm. It, it needs to be something you have experience mm-hmm. in. Um, and it's either a passion or a pain point. It's either something that you're passionate about that you want to see in a different way in the world, or it's a pain point, something you've gone through. Um, and grief is big because oftentimes we equate it to someone passing, but you can grieve things that are still alive. Mm. Mm -hmm. Going through a divorce after being married 19 years, 
going through a divorce is like going through a death. Yeah. But the hard part about it is you're grieving someone who's not dead. Like, even though there are times that you probably wish your ex was uh, not dead, but just outside of your view so that it's not as hard to go through the grieving process. Um, But you really go through grief. I did some research on um, the steps of grief. Um, the grief cycle and looking at what that grief cycle looks like, like I could uh, attest to like every area, like you go through the denial, like is this really happening to me? You go through the anger, like how did this happen? Why did this happen? You know, and you go through the steps and then you cycle back around them. Um, so going through grief, you can grieve so many things and not really realize or attach it to grief. Um, I know one er, one thing that I realize um, when it comes to grief is that it looks different for everyone. Yeah. So where do you see like where your grief was and his grief was how it looked different yeah i would say for his grief it was scary to me because we were really kind of newly married mm-hmm. and like we said we didn't really court much so friendship a lot of times you don't learn a lot of stuff about a person mm-hmm. until you start living together so not only am i just getting to meet getting to know him and now he's lost his son. Like, I didn't know. Like, I'm like, I don't know if I want to be a right. If, you know, it just was really scary. That's the best way that I can put it. Um, I didn't have the words. Um, he kind of shut down from me because, like he said, he, at that time, he didn't feel like, like I was a support. And I can honestly say I probably really wasn't to the degree that I needed to be because, again, I didn't know. I'm like, well, maybe he just want to be with his family. Or I, I felt like it was certain things he should do when he felt like it was certain things he shouldn't do. So for me, as far as losing um, the, our unborn kids, I think that I leaned on him a lot more. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like he leaned on me. And maybe he may stay differently, but like I'd be like, I need you to hold me. I'm going through it at this time. And even if I can't say it to his face, I'll text him and be like, listen, I'm having these mind battles. So I think for me, I was more vocal with my feelings okay. compared to him, in my opinion. So, Darrell, same thing with you. How do you think your grieving process uh, differed from hers? I, I, I would say because what the difference was more of a a physical thing, like me dealing with my child for eight years, mm-hmm. being in his life for eight years. And uh, I think a lot more of my grieving came before all these promises that were given in my had a, my son had a, a disability mm-hmm. so you know going to going to church and everybody praying over everybody prophesying mm-hmm. to him he's going to be able to walk he's going to be able to talk and to not be able to see that happen on earth mm-hmm. that's what set it apart for me is because this is what something i was looking for for years i was i was holding on to that promise that he i was going to be able to see him talk and walk here on earth and uh i never got a chance to see that so that I, I would say that that what that's what makes it more harder for me and sets apart from the miscarriage to the uh, him actually being here is that I it was promises that I were looking for. That's big. Mm-hmm. So with those promises that 
people were praying and prophesying, it not happening. How did that feel? Uh, from the beginning, when when I did get the the news and I started embracing the fact that he he had passed away, uh, and uh, and this reality started setting in. Uh, mm -hmm. It was like a slap in the face to me. Uh, I wanted to kill myself. I, mm -hmm. I sat on my back porch with a gun to my head. I was ready to get out of because this is something I really wanted to see. If I didn't want to see anything in this world, I wanted to see my child talking and walking. Mm -hmm. But thanking, thanking my great-grandma that she made sure I had a relationship as a child with the Most High God, mm -hmm. and by me having that relationship, God... And a lot of people don't believe in this, that uh, the dead don't speak to you in your dreams or anything. But mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, God assured me that mm -hmm. my son is talking. I don't heard my son. I don't heard his voice. <laughs> you know, in the dream, I don't heard his voice. I don't, he done came to me, Daddy, I love you. I don't seen him walking in my dreams. And I think that's what helps me cope with it more now. That's what helps me get through it now, is that I, I honestly believe he's walking and talking. That's why I press so hard towards the mark of the high calling because I want to see my son again one day and I want to see him physically with my eyes walking and talking. That's big. So when it comes to um, making the turn, and when I say that, I mean like that moment that things started to change, that moment that things started to look different for you, that moment that you decided, okay, I'm going to get up, and even though I'm still wounded, um, I'm going to press forward. So where where was that moment at for you, Darrell? For me, that moment was uh, his funeral. Mm -hmm. his, well, I, I would say his funeral, but I still end up falling after that. I end up falling after the funeral. But... It was like I say, it was the dreams, him coming to me in my dreams, Daddy, I, Dad, I love you, mm -hmm. and just being able to hear his voice and see his face and see him walking. And even though it's a dream, it was powerful to me, and that helped me to push through. Got it, yeah. got it. So Shanice, what was that moment for you that you decided, okay, I've I've done my grieving, so now it's time to get up and press forward. I never really fell to a certain extent. Um, I always kept going, which could be dangerous mm -hmm. in my opinion. And I still have my moments, but at the end of the day, to Darrell's point, it's not even about the prophecy for me because I've been prophesied. We've both been prophesied that we're going to have a kid, but I just believe that God's going to do it mm -hmm. because of my obedience, because of my relationship, because that is the desires of my heart. So that helps me, but I still have moments. I had one the other day where I texted him and I was like, look, you know, and I believe because we're human, but it's about our mind state. Sometimes you just got to adjust your mind and just remind yourself of who you are. Like if I stay in a dark place, if I stay depressed, what good is that going to do me? Mm -hmm. I got work to do for the kingdom. I got work to do. I have to still be healthy because I have a husband. Mm -hmm. I have to still be healthy because I have kids that are here on earth. So that's what keeps me going. But I still have moments where I, you know, kind of be like, well, why? You know, or I get sad, but I got to keep going. So what do you do in those moments, though? I'll, I'll express myself to him. I'll pray. I'll worship. I'll write. I'll read. It just depends on how deep that that pain feels at that moment. Mm -hmm. But I have a lot of different outlets that I use. I'll call and talk to somebody. Um, I have life coaches that are in my life. So it just depends on how deep it is. Sometimes 
Um, it was a time where I used to be afraid to tell the real how I felt about losing the amount of kids that we lost because I would always feel like that would be a trigger for him. Got it. He would take it a little bit harder than me outwardly because he's like, well, dang, you know, I lost my natural kid and now here it is. I can't have any other kids. So there was a time where I would have to suppress it or at least I thought that because I'm like, I don't want him going off ledge. As you mentioned, he was suicidal for a minute. So I'm like, I can't afford to tell him that. But I think now that we've grown together, we're able to just release it to each other and encourage each other and keep going. And even if I don't feel like he has the strength, I have other people that I'm connected to that I can speak with. So uh, can we say that one of the big outcomes of going through your process is learning to articulate mm -hmm. what you're feeling yes. to one another, being at a place where you're not afraid to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we hold in and we suppress things that we should let out mm -hmm. in hopes that people don't look at us differently. Mm -hmm. People don't know that we have weak moments. People don't know that we are struggling because of the way that people look at us but it's okay to not be okay yeah. it really is yeah. it 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 takes nothing from who you are status wise spiritual or your relationship with god to say hey i'm not okay yeah. and it's being able to say that and embracing that moment which allows you uh, the fortitude to be able to get up and still continue to walk and stride. Um, when you're in those spaces, Darrell, because you mentioned that you were sitting on the back porch and you were uh, contemplating suicide. Tell us about that moment. Well, that moment, it was, it was a lot more going on in that moment outside of, you know, me losing a kid. But at that moment, it just felt like everything was crashing in on me. Like, I'm thinking all the, the way I grew up in my life, the struggles, you know, my, my parents not here like I want them to be, uh, my siblings not here, my, my immediate family, nobody's here. Like, it, it's just things I went through, all of it just started running through my head. And uh, at that moment, like I said, I didn't feel like I had an outlet. I, I done cried out to God. I done yell to the top of my lung many 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 times and i'm just at this moment why is this still happening why is this still going on mm -hmm. so what stopped you it was so funny uh we have a, a friend charlotte prophetess charlotte hancock uh she was on her way what she well you called me and i called her yeah i called my wife and she called her and uh she got there she got there in time enough she got there. both of them pulled up at the same time and i think that's what that's what those prayers that they prayed over me the laying of the hands on me uh that stopped me from going all the way through so have you had those moments where you've contemplated suicide again no since that day i've um i've attempted several times and i said you know jokingly but I say, uh, people say, uh, I'm alive and um, I should be alive, you know, and people be like, you know, he spared me when uh, I, I, and I should be alive. 
And I said, I didn't want to be alive. Uh Like, there were moments where I would um, lay in the bed in hopes not to wake up the next morning because the pain was so hard. Um, Going through a divorce, as I said, it's um, similar to going through a death. And the grief of losing the life I knew was so great that I didn't want to go on. And I remember one day sitting on the side of the bed and I was having a real argument with the Lord. <laughs> a shouting match, like me shouting was going to move in right. the day. Uh, and I remember saying, so you just... You're just not going to let me die? Like, I'm doing everything I can. You're just not going to let me die. And it was at that moment I decided, okay, well, since you're not going to let me die, I might as well live. And I decided that day that I was going to become a support system Mm -hmm. from people who were going through and who were going through all alone. Because I felt like I was uh, I was in another state, didn't really have any family near me, and I was struggling by myself just to make it day to day. And uh, it, so it was at that moment I decided, okay, so since I got to live, I might as well do something yeah. with it. Um, and out of that came out um, the thought of uh, don't die with purpose. Hmm. That's good. Because being the answer to so many people if i had died their answer would have died Mm -hmm. if i had um not been here y'all wouldn't be where you are knowing that in our lives that we are attached to other people's purpose Mm -hmm. um so in going through that that was one of the things that came out um, and then I started uh, a support group called The Next Chapter for Me um, on Facebook and started building that and started, you know, being an inspiration in everything that I do now kind of stemmed from that moment of me sitting on the side of the bed shouting at God because he wouldn't let me die. Um, what do you think your moment was? Yeah, I was sitting here thinking while you were speaking, I can relate to that. Um, it was December 16, 2019. Um, I was depressed, like in a really dark place. I really didn't like him. <laughs> I didn't like my life. I didn't want, I had suicidal moments. Like, I don't think I would ever be pushed to try to kill myself. I'm just too scared. Mm-hmm. But it's just, I felt worthless. And um, I was laying in the bed and God pushed me to create um, a woman group called Women of Strength. And I believe that that, when you helping people, when you're a support system to other people, that holds you accountable. Yeah. So now it's like all these people are looking up to me. Therefore, I can't afford to fail. I can't afford to fall. Mm-hmm. I have to be the example. Sometimes we're the only God that people see. Yeah. So if I'm speaking about what God can do, let me be the light and show them through my, you know, be open and transparent. But show them through my broken places, God brought me to this place. So that's, that's, I can definitely relate to that. This has really been some amazing conversation. I think we still have some more talking to do. Uh, what do you, y'all want to come back or we could do a part two of what we've done? I think that uh, 
there's some more information that you all can share with your story. Uh, and again, I am Coach Michelle Kennedy, Master Life Coach and Chief Curator from Embrace You Training Solutions. Thank you for joining. Come sit down and let's talk. And I'll see you again next week. Goodbye.